Hour number two of Canuck Central. This hour is brought to you by Andrew Sherritt Limited, your plumbing and heating wholesaler, a proud family-owned BC company helping local business since 1892. It's Dan Riccio and Satyar Shaw here at Rogers Arena. Canucks and Ottawa Senators getting set, and Dan Murphy joins us here in the broadcast booth. This analyst is brought to you by Freeway Mazda. Murph, what's happening? What's going on, boys? You know, I'm just trying to stay warm in the building like usual. Yeah. <laughs> I guess you guys don't even have the heaters on today. I Not know. yet. Not yet, at least. Fe- feeling a little bit better. It's uh, it's a little bit warmer outside these days, so. Yeah. Is it, though? I mean, it depends on, <laughs> depends on what time, I guess. It's still quite cold in the morning, I guess. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's not ideal. No. Uh, so I went grocery shopping on the weekend. Okay. Uh, and I don't, like, every time I do this, I always get frustrated with myself because I'm like, why would I go to the grocery store on the weekend when it's literally the worst time to go to the grocery store? Like, peak grocery store hours, I feel, is like 1 to 4 on Sunday. Well, yeah. that's the worst. If you want to go grocery shopping on the weekend, go in the morning. You have to. Morning. Morning's good. It's actually really quiet. Yeah. You go midday, afternoon, I mean, you're just begging for trouble. <laughs> it's open at 7.30 a.m., the one by my house. Mm-hmm. So if you go early. Yeah. Now, sometimes they don't have all the produce put out. Uh, right, so sometimes you can't yeah, that get can be a full problem. array of everything, but for the most part, that's when I always go. I try to avoid crowds like the plague these days. I don't like crowds. Yeah. <laughs> like, I didn't like it before the pandemic. <laughs> no. <laughs> considering how often we spend time in crowds, I mean, that could be somewhat of a problem. That is true. <laughs> but, I, I mean, it is interesting, though, right, because, I mean, last year there were no fans in the building the whole season. Yeah. And this year, obviously, you know, you know, it's been a lot different, and we had a big spell with you know half the crowd or whatever. But the vibe in the arena is actually it's, it's hasn't it been yeah. the best vibe in at least seven years or so? Yeah, it's seven really years? really good. And, and this is like okay, it's like this is a controlled kind of environment with yeah. the crowd. Like I was talking to someone yesterday, a friend of mine, and she went to Coachella, and I said you could I don't know how much you'd have to pay for me to go to Coachella. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Yeah, like honestly, yeah. I, like I don't I don't see anything that has any redeeming qualities. So, but. Yeah, no, the building. Like, even when the fans, like, I think one of the first games where it was a full building allowed, they lost 7-4 to Anaheim, I think. Yeah. And it, they were down 7-2 or something. And even when they scored the third and fourth goal, the building was happy about it. Yeah. They're just happy back in. Now, yeah. that wouldn't happen now. But, like, after, after the fight last game, when Shen was being escorted to the dress room kind of by the penalty box and then the other side, it was loud Yeah. in here. Like, yeah. it was super loud. And so I'm really interested to see what happens with the supporter section tonight to see what kind of chance they get going and stuff because they have they have this in Nashville. I want to say it's cell block 303 or cell block 313 or something, supporter section, and they have all these different chants. Right. And everybody gets into it. Like, you know, when a guy's in the penalty box, it's all your fault, that chant, yeah. that kind of stuff. And uh, so I'm really interested to see how it goes tonight. I think it will be kind of cool because well, when you get people – uh, directing chants and stuff like that, yeah. and the whole building gets into it, it can be a lot of fun. A few hundred of the uh, Larshiders will be uh, sitting behind the net here tonight, and uh, so they'll be uh, directing the chants. Uh, very uh, soccer-esque type of feel mm-hmm. from the Larshiders. Yeah, and that, I mean, that's kind of a European hockey feel too, right? Yeah. Yeah. In Germany or Switzerland, it's that kind of feeling mm-hmm. uh, with the banners and the scarves and the, that kind of stuff. So, And Tommy Larshide himself is going to be here. He'll be a guest in the second intermission on the broadcast tonight. Beautiful. That's why I'm only stealing sat for the first intermission. <laughs> yeah. This so, yeah. I mean, don't tell Cam, though. He's oh, you're taking off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Sat's joining me as well with Tom. Sat's producing it. Yeah. Uh, I'm coming up with the topics. Um, I mean, but, but as far as the game experience goes, and 
I think part of it too is, I mean, just coming out of the pandemic, all of us were excited. Just go out to have a beer. I know, like, you know, anytime we had a chance to meet after, you know, when things, you know, we're just so excited to sit down on a patio, have a drink with yeah. somebody or whatever. Yeah. So you're just excited to do things like that. But the overall experience at the ring, to me, has improved as well. The fans have been great, but with all the the ing, the game ops and everything that they do, like this used to be known as a good team that plays in a bit of a tomb and fans only get excited during the playoffs or like when the team scores a goal. But the buzz has been kind of going on. I think part of it, you have to give credit to the organization with the in-game entertainment and game ops that has really improved here mm-hmm. over the past couple of years. Last night, uh, the, the, when they played the, the shame bell thing from Family Guy, <laughs> right at the end, Radulov was in the box and the, the stars were getting you know, their, their you-know-what's handed to them. I don't think they appreciated that too much, but... You know what? I could appreciate a good chirp. Uh, this text, uh, hey, great Canucks talk, guys. How's the celery at Whole Foods at 8.30 a.m.? Uh, well, the Brussels sprouts are pretty good. I haven't really checked out the celery. A- apparently celery juice. it's ju- by the way. Yeah. Well, it's, apparently celery juice is super good for you. If you have celery juice every <laughs> single day, uh, it, pr- it, can, it can help you out in a massive Did way. Did you learn that on TikTok? Or? I may have. <laughs> It's uh, Dan Richo, Satyar Shah in the broadcast booth here with uh, with Dan Murphy. We, we were just talking to Frank Saravalli, and speaking of the crowd, I mean, anytime they score a goal, Bruce, there it is, still mm-hmm. still uh, comes out across the building. Um, it seems inevitable that they just have to they have to keep Boudreaux around. I mean, I've never seen a coach get this much love while behind the bench with a team. It would. It just. It seems like it has to be the move now, the obvious move, right? Yeah. Like. Um, why would you walk into what is just a PR disaster yep, waiting, waiting to happen, to happen. Yeah. right? I mean, it's uh, there's only really – I mean, there's there's only one situation that's good for you if you change coaches and if that coach does really well with the team. But, you know, what are the odds that they're going to jump out of the gates and have a really good season, right? Yeah. So I, I just – I don't see a way with how things have gone, with uh, how well he's been received – with how well the team has performed since he's taken over, how they have how they could somehow part ways. Now, maybe it happens, but the longer this goes on, the longer they push towards this playoff spot, the longer this market falls in love with the guy, man, it's going to be tough to... Now, does that mean you have to get a contract extension done with him? Yeah. Does he go into next season with just the club option? Mm-hmm. Would other teams come calling on him if that was the case? Yeah. Right? Like, I don't know. But I think that's the only way is if, you know, it's obvious that it, it it's his decision because there's a big offer on the table for a team that's maybe a more readily contender. Yeah. I mean, the only way you can justify it is that if the organization just doesn't feel like he's their guy, that they want somebody else – that you make the move now instead of fan base isn't going to listen to that. They're not so. going to listen to it, but that's the yeah. only reason you would have to make that move. But at some point, like you mentioned, it becomes undeniable. Yeah, just just the record speaks for itself. The results speak for the, for themselves. The players' reaction to the to the coach speaks for itself. And honestly, what are the shelf lives for NHL coaches? Yeah, three years, Two four years, years five years. Yeah. And if you're if you're trying to hire a guy to keep for ten years, I mean, you're putting the cart ahead of the horse, aren't you? And generally speaking, anytime, I mean, Ovin and, and Rutherford haven't spoken much recently, but I don't think anybody expects this team is going to be a contender next year. Yeah. So, um, they're unless, probably about unless, the same kind and, of team. Yeah, unless yeah. the management really feels like there are problems with uh, the structure of practices and the X's and O's, unless they really have a firm belief on this, um, then I don't, I, I think you have to bring them back. 
I said at the time when Boudreaux came in, if he gets, if he finds Elias Pettersson or helps Elias Pettersson find himself, mm -hmm. uh, then it's a success. And I think that's the biggest reason lately the Canucks have found, you know, six wins in a row. I mean, Pettersson's got 14 points over that stretch. He's been on fire since the All-Star break. Him finding himself has been probably the biggest reason they find the themselves in the spot they're in. Yeah, I mean, because it, it, I mean, in the recent run here, it hasn't, you haven't said, man, if it wasn't for Demko. Yeah. You haven't said that very mm -hmm. much. And yeah. really, during most of Bruce's tenure, it still had been pretty heavily reliant on the goaltender, right? Yeah. Miller's scoring and Demko is Yeah, they weren't scoring a lot early on. Yeah. Like, even as recently as that seven-game homestand, they were, they were really struggling to score, right? Mm. And if you didn't get a standout performance and a couple power play goals, they, they weren't going to get a, a good result. So, um, yeah, I, I, I kind of said, like, when, when Boudreaux took over, I said the season would be a success if, by the end of it, Horvat and Pedersen and Besser all kind of felt good about themselves yeah. again. Something we didn't really yeah. see early on. Well, I mean, what what hasn't what box hasn't he ticked? Power plays better, special teams are better. Five on five offense is better. Five on five defense slightly better. Mm -hmm. Pedersen's back. Yeah. Besser's finding his game. Garland now finding his game, and also. Put Colson's development. Yeah. Now a young player is developing and getting better and, and emerging later in the season under Bruce Boudreaux as well. What what can you ding him? Yeah, I don't, I don't think you can. Yeah, really. I, I think that we should probably also say like there should be some kudos to Bradshaw. Yeah, right. I mean, I think he well the is, staff as a whole. Yeah. yeah, of course. But like guys that are known a mm -hmm. bit more of uh, X's and O's guys, right? So, but yeah, no, everything uh, basically that he's touched has improved. Right, and I, yeah. and I, you know, it, there, there is there is something to the Boudreaux bump. Now, maybe we can't quantify it with what exactly is, but you can with what's happened in the standings and mm -hmm. the numbers with this team. There was uh, a lot of standout performances last night, um, but Oliver Ekman Larson is kind of sneaking up to almost thirty points now. I mean, <laughs> he's 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 finding his offensive game. He's still you know, he had that little rut for a bit there where he looked like he wasn't moving so well, but ever since then he's kind of been hot. He's been about as good as I think you could have asked for coming over here. Yep, I would agree. I mean, I still i am not totally uh, enamored with the deal and, and what it represented at the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, the long-term effects of the deal could still yeah, yeah. And, and be harmful. I think, I think a little bit Garland's been, uh, you know, maybe a little harshly judged. Yeah. I mean, I think his five on production, five on five production, yeah. has been pretty darn good. I Top think he's still, forty in the league. I think I still think he makes stuff happens when he's on the ice. Um, so I'm glad to see he's getting rewarded with some some numbers at the important time of the year. But you're right, like Oliver Ekman Larson, I wasn't sure what they were getting when he came in. Uh, I think most people were worried. They were hoping that the new environment, uh, that a motivated player uh, playing in a market really cares, would help. Yeah. And I think in year one it has. No, and, you know, he's a guy that you may never get $7.25 million value out of him, no. but how many years can you get top four play out of him? Yeah. And what and how much can you get the best out of him? I think that's going to be the big question. Yeah, and, I and you know, it, it, after the deal was made, I was like, if it's three, four years, then you clap your hands and say, okay, thank goodness. Yeah couple of very important texts before we go. Celery juice is water, dummy. 
There is vitamins in it. I mean, it's not just water. Brandon and Poco, tell Sat that I prefer beet juice myself. Oh, disgusting. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Murph. All right, guys. Thank uh, you. There is uh, Dan Murphy uh, on uh, Sportsnet tonight. And you can check out uh, him and Sat on the panel. And, of course, Tom Larshide in uh, the second intermission, as mentioned. Uh, this insider has been brought to you by... Or Dan Murphy on Sports at 650 was brought to you by Freeway Mazda, Canada's number one consumer-rated Mazda dealer. So, on that note, Oliver ekman like I really liked OEL and Tyler Myers last night. Uh, come at me, bro. Like, oh my God, I said Tyler Myers had a good game. People are going to come at me with axes all of a sudden. But um, OEL's played really well lately, and the yeah. point production has been there now at least of late, still not as many goals maybe as you would like from the defense as a whole, but the point production has been there. He made the great pass to Garland uh, for his goal last night. Uh, like OEL, I, I still think about OEL, and I'm like, he's still been a lot better than pretty much advertised. Well, he he's not the liability he was last year, and it was so evident when you watched the, the tape like I spent so much time doing this past summer it's like the quality was still there in his game the traits were still there the decision making was odd he'd seem like the energy and the excitement wasn't there in his game and you wondered was it a he doesn't care anymore or the environment and everything else kind of going on it, it's clearly a situation where he needs a change of scenery yeah and yeah, I mean, he may never be worth the seven point whatever million on the cap. Well, he's never going to be like he got that contract when he was, you know, pretty much getting Norris votes almost yearly. Right, but he can be better next year, more productive next year. Let's say he hits thirty points this season, and he, let's say he gets close to forty next year, and he plays a good two way game. Well, then you feel pretty fine about it. Yeah, you know, seven's a lot, but if you get forty points and you're playing, you know, big heavy minutes and you're excelling, you know, in a top four role. You don't worry about it then. And he could do that next year. I mean, is it out of the realm of possibility that he goes from being a 30-point guy to a 40-point guy next year? Yeah. And, I mean, the defense as a whole has been fine. You know, Hughes and Shen, OEL Myers, and Dermot Hunt has been good since they've been together. You know, they've been solid. They get their sheltered minutes, and they they do what they have to do. Uh, And it works. And I think that's kind of been the case for Boudreaux ever since he's come in. Is he's found a little bit of a formula on the back end. As for Myers, you know, when we talked about uh, off the top of the show playing the right way, I think about Myers' game lately and certainly last night. Like, what are the big criticisms of Myers? You know, his reads aren't always the best, and he makes bad pinches, gets himself caught, uh, seems to make. You know, one or two odd decisions almost every single game. But he seems to be reading the game a little bit Mm -hmm. better right now, making better decisions on when to pinch, more convicted in his decision-making of when to pinch and when not to pinch. You know, those are, like, little things but key things for Myers who get so much flack because his mistakes are so loud, they're so noticeable but they've been a lot less of them lately. Yeah, he's played a lot more contained recently, yeah. and he's done a good job of using his length to 
cover space, and he hasn't been quite as adventurous. You, you don't see him uh, as much as Bradshaw when he was on with us a while back. Talked about you want to see defensemen every once in a while get to the net and cause some chaos and everything. But you know, uh, chaos is Tyler Myers' middle name nowadays, essentially. So you don't want too much chaos for him. You want him to be able to play within himself because even when Myers plays within himself, he's still able to generate some offense and chances and some puck possession because of the style that he plays, but he gives up opportunities going the other way. But if he can play within himself a bit more, that allows OEL to be a little bit more active. And you mentioned that goal Garland scored, the first one against Dallas. And, you know, it's put Colson against the primary assist because go back and forth and he gets it back to Garland. But OEL, where is he? He's by the, by, by, by the left circle. Like, yeah. he's almost by the hash. And that's a place you don't see him very often when he plays with Myers. He's the one that ends up staying up high a lot more. But if Myers plays within himself, as he has, and allows OEL to also kind of partake a bit and not having to be the high guy all the time as a defenseman, then you are going to get a bit more offensive production out of it. And the fact they're finding that middle ground here a bit more late in the season, that's another big reason why they're having success as a team right now. Shame on me for forgetting the, the beautiful t- one-touch pass by Pod Coles in there. I, I mean, that was just... It, it's such a smart play because nobody on the ice is expecting him to just go right back to Garland there. That quick passing, that, yeah. that entire shift, it was just a lot of quick, short passes. Yeah. They and, hit the post just before that. Yeah. OEL hit the post yeah. just before that. Yeah, and... It just, it just opens up so many different things. And it's kind of like in soccer, right, Dan? When you take a guy on and beat that guy, well, what that does is force somebody else to have to leave their position to come over and try to cover for you. And that's what opens up space. And when Garland's able to beat a guy and then go to space, that's where he draws the other defender, and that's where you're able to kind of create more offense going down the other way. And that's been a big reason why that line is having success more recently. But when you are a guy that's able to beat somebody, beat a guy one-on-one, do it. Yeah. And don't hold on to it. Beat a guy and move the puck. And that's something we talked about earlier this year with Pedersen, for instance. We saw him deke one guy and then try to take a second guy on. It's like, well, you've already taken one guy on. Now the other guy's coming across to you. There's an open space. Get the puck to a teammate. All of a sudden, now you have a break or at least you have an odd man rush or a transition opportunity going the other way. And the fact that the trust is there now and they're making those decisions is a big reason why they're able to generate higher quality scoring chances right now. And uh, you see it consistently uh, with... The Vancouver Canucks. It's been really, um, we talk about Bruce Boudreaux. Like, yeah, there isn't really too many negatives on his resume as a Vancouver Canucks coach. And I do kind of agree with what Frank had to say and with what we talked about with Murph. It's hard to imagine a world where you move on from Bruce Boudreaux at this point. Like, even if they don't make the playoffs, the run that they've been on, they're going to finish with 90-plus points. When he took over this team, they had 16. Yes. (laughs) Like, can we really fathom how insane that is? They had 16 points through 25 games when he took over, and here they are. They're going to be over 90. I mean, they're on a 109-point pace under Boudreaux, and, you know, Teams are going to have the ups and downs, even good teams, and you can't just extrapolate that point pace over an 82-game season. But one thing that is becoming very clear is that the true potential of this hockey team is a mid-90-point team. Yeah. Right? They're a team that should be in that 92- to 98-point range. They're capable of it. Maybe you get to 100 if things go your way, and if things don't go your way, maybe you're at 90. But they're a team that's in that range. 
Cup contenders are in the next range. They go up another spot. But what Boudreaux has shown and where this team's kind of landing, even if they make the playoffs or not, is that the ultimate maximum potential of this group is to be a mid-90 point team, which is better than what people thought, obviously, because they were playing like a 60 point team at one point. But it really seemed like they're a team that's a 500 club, essentially, that's maybe a few games above that. But the way they're closing the season, they're showing that this group is capable of being a 90 plus point team. Uh, coming uh, into the Dunbar Lumber text line, a few things. Uh, this one, Bruce has been opposite of pretty much every NHL coach, celebrated by fans, supportive of players mentally, non-combative with media. Love that guy. My only concern was last night they were singing Bruce, there it is, 10 minutes into the second period. A little too soon for my liking. <laughs> Well, you know, are we going to quibble with how many, uh, how, uh, how, and when the uh, Bruce there it is chance start? Hey, uh, uh, ha- have the Canucks lost in a game they've sang Bruce there it is? <laughs> I don't think they have. <laughs> That'd be a good one. I mean, if they took a lead and then they sang Bruce there it is and they coughed up the lead. I don't know. That, that was a tougher one to crack down. Track down. Uh, Marcus and Gibson's Boudreaux isn't the star whisperer. He's the Brad Hunt whisperer. And um, Mike uh, agree. Pedersen becoming Pedersen. They are nothing. Bruce did his job. Keep him. Uh, so there's a few great texts coming in onto the Dunbar Lumber text line. Um, and this one, the general manager said in an interview that everyone in the organization will be under review after the season, including the coach. And ever since then, your radio station has been talking about Bruce Boudreaux, if he is coming back or not. I have faith in the new management group will make the right decision. Why would they cut the coach after what he has done? Well, they haven't committed to him yet. So uh, until they do, there is going to be a question mark. And I don't think it's just on them, Sat, um, because there is a question mark of is there other offers that maybe intrigue Bruce Boudreaux on the table or that the Canucks may have to compete with? Once, you know, it gets down to it in the offseason. Well, the way the contract is structured, Boudreaux has a say in it. And if he wants to explore something else, then yeah. So I don't believe it's a situation where you can just bring Boudreaux back on his option. You bring bring Boudreaux back, you got to give him an extension. Given how the Canucks gave him a chance and how much success he's had here, I don't think he's, he's angling to get out of here. Yep. Well, one thing I mentioned a bit before, and this is something that I wonder about. And it depends on what posture the organization takes in the exit interviews. Are you taking a step back next year? How are you approaching things? What's your plan over the next two or three years? And if that plan doesn't align with where Boudreaux kind of sees his career being at, that might be the bigger determining factor. Because if things are equal, you're bringing back most of this core, and you're you know, maybe taking a slight step back, but you're really trying to still be competitive next year, then... I don't see why not, why Boudreaux would not want to come back with everything that's happened, that he would sign a couple-year extension and go with the flow here. But if you're saying that, okay, you know what, this might be a three- or four-year thing before we're really competing, and he's a guy who's 67, he may look at that and say, by the time we're good and competing, am I even going to be the coach here? Yeah. This is my last chance. So I wonder if that discussion after the season is something to kind of keep in mind. And I don't know that for a fact, but I just wonder if if you're getting into a nuance of it, if that's the more... The, the 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 determining factor as far as Boudreaux is concerned of, okay, so what's the plan here? Because this might very well be my last 
chance to be an NHL head coach, and I want to have some playoff success. It is uh, Canuck Central, Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. We'll get into an extended pregame discussion. Another must-win coming up against the Ottawa Senators. It's Canuck Central on Sportsnet 650.